Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. Uh, we're about to jump into a passage from the Book of Romans, and Ferris, Eric, you are our comma guy. Yes, occasionally I call you Ferris. I apologize for that. You don't have to apologize. Tell us Most what of we're humanity talking calls me about Ferris. today. <laughs> Uh, before we jump into the text, oh, yeah. uh, I need to I need to point something out because a few a few episodes ago we were doing our little uh, our little shtick on uh, ambiguous banter about culture events that may or may not have happened yesterday because uh-huh. we record these episodes a week in advance. And you had talked about bobsledding, yes, which you know is Winter Olympics, not summer. And you know we talked about athletes and they're all fast. And I threw in a comment because we're the joking soccer around team? about the U.S. women's soccer team. Losing. Did they lose? Did it happen? And they lost a few hours before that episode aired. Really? Yeah. It's so wow. So <laughs> um, wow. I am. Uh, <laughs> Are you sorry? Is this like your formal apology I f- to them? I feel a little bit responsible to the U.S. women's soccer team for joking around mm. about them losing, and then they then they lost. So. I thought, I wonder if any listeners are like, because the, the, the whole reason that it's delightfully dumb and funny is that we obviously are making fun of the fact that we record these in advance and we would have no idea of knowing what happened that, that previous weekend. But someone might have been listening going, all right, now I just don't understand this whole shtick because yeah. he's happened. talking about yeah, really the soccer happened. team losing and they just lost three hours ago. So what is going on? So yes, everybody, we record these in advance. We are not we are, you're not listening to this live. We are not in the studio live on Monday mornings, obviously, because this podcast, this one is released at like five in the morning. Yeah, we're not in yeah, the podcast studio at Mondays at five <laughs> in the morning. So just wanted to point that out. And I also wanted to say that Corey Shoemate was pretty funny on the episode that I wasn't on with his snacktivities and... Uh, he was talking about eating the dry spaghetti noodles, and then, <laughs> and then Clayton was talk, saying, like, that's really weird. I mean, we would chew on ramen noodle bricks, but we wouldn't do something as weird as that. That was a, yeah, good, well, that was a good conversation. It's good, good. I, I'm stuff. glad we can help all of humanity edify them with these uh, brilliant podcasts. And give, you, give them some snack ideas, too, you know? I wonder how no. many people actually went back and <laughs> tried, tried to it. chew on some spaghetti. Yeah. Hmm. Nobody. <laughs> The ramen thing. Uh, hey, Clayton is. How's that tea, Clayton? Oh, I, you know it's actually good. It's good. So I was. It's a little risky. This tea is not just uh, you know brought from home. This is from uh, Eric's garden. Uh, I think we mentioned this yeah, last episode. I got these little baggies of of you know green leaves. Suspicious, but it's it's mint. I tasted it, so it's pretty good. So mm. we'll we'll try another we'll try another one next episode. Clayton starts to get loopy during this episode. We know why. Yeah. <laughs> I I brought Clayton peppermint and lemon balm and chamomile from my garden. The garden that I piddle in. So in, in, <laughs> enjoy enjoy the tea, Clayton. <laughs> oh boy. It's just changed everything. So <laughs> all right, we are in Romans chapter three today. We're going to talk about verses nine through twenty. And so we are starting with the C in the comma method, which is context. And so uh, let's just set the stage again for Romans. Of course, when you read uh, a book of the Bible, when you start it, you want to read the introduction in a good study Bible, which is going to give you a lot of background information, cultural information. It's also going to help you with who wrote it, who is the person writing to. We've already touched on some of that in a previous episode. 
Um, but because the last time we talked about Romans on this podcast, we were in Romans chapter one, but now we're in three. Let's uh, let's bridge the gap here. And uh, if you've been reading in the Bible savvy uh, schedule, you already know some of these things. Uh, but the conversation is now about God's judgment and His wrath. And it is, remember, Romans is talking to uh, Jews who are living in a primarily Gentile city, uh, non, non-Jewish. Gentile means non-Jewish, so Rome was uh, primarily non-Jewish. Probably only forty or 50,000 Jewish believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, in a city that had millions of people. And if you remember uh, one of the most famous Bible verses, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because uh, it is the power of God unto sal- salvation, first to the Jew then to the Gentile, which is a way of acknowledging this story came through the Jews. The Jews are the ones that God had made all the promises to Abraham. This whole story flows through the Jewish people. And so it came to them first, but through them now to the Gentiles. And Paul is talking about God's wrath on humanity uh, for our sin and evil and his, his justice in judging. And, it, and then the, the Jewish people might, might be thinking to themselves, but not us because we're part of the promise, we're part of the covenant, we're the ones that the story came through. So yeah, maybe God judges the Gentiles, but, but not us. We're, like the, we're the special people. And Paul is essentially making a case saying, no, no, it's not Jew or Gentile in this matter, it's everybody. All of us, all of us uh, stand under the potential wrath and judgment of God for the choices we make, the way we live our lives. And so we're picking it up in verse 9. So Clayton is going to read that for us. Romans 3, starting in verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are an open grave. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin." All right, so we move on to the O in the comma method, which is observation. What do we see in this text? Um, well, I think right off the bat, you kind of already touched on this, but I, I'd circled the word all. All are under the power of sin. And it, it, it says, as it is written, and then there's this, this, this long list of things. And I said, oh, that's, I wrote like, this is true of all of us. And there's some really strong language in there. And to, to say that that's true of me and the entire, like, that's, that's weighty stuff. Yeah. There's some bad stuff in there. It is. Yeah, one of the things that we're looking for when we're, we're doing observations of a biblical text is repeating words, mm-hmm. phrases, thoughts. Uh, and so you have a lot of all, every, um, no. and then the, no. flip, the flip side of the coin. Sometimes when you're seeing repeating words and phrases, it's repeating itself by also showing the flip side of the coin, right? So the first quote there is, there is no one righteous, right? So it's the flip side of the, the same thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of times we're looking for repeating words, phrases. 
What do you see, Clayton? Uh, I see in the way mine is formatted in my Bible, it, there after it says, as it is written, there's kind of a, a different, you know, different lines. It looks like poetry all of a sudden, like when we're reading in the Psalms or someplace. Um, and and that's because it actually, you know, I see the footnotes there that actually say these are actually quotes mostly from the Psalms. So uh, they're poetic parts of the Old Testament that Paul is uh, quoting here. So he's uh, making his case not just from observation, but from the scripture that they already had. Which would make a ton of sense if Paul was writing to Jewish believers uh, that he would use the Old Testament scriptures to, to make his case. Uh, and so, yeah, this is something worth pointing out here, too, uh, under observation. When you're reading your Bible and all of a sudden you see the formatting change, uh, it is changing for a reason. The, the people that have put together your Bible are trying to clue you in that th- there is a quote going on, um, and of course the, the footnotes will tell you where that quote is coming from. So in just a few minutes, we're actually going to look at all of those different places where these quotes are coming from. In this case, you might just be reading Romans 3 and thinking, well, Paul is very eloquent, which, by the way, Paul is very eloquent. <laughs> um, but this is actually a string of how many? One, two, three, four, five, six Old Testament quotes. Is that how many you guys see in the, in the footnotes there? That's right. Six Old Testament quotes all strung together to, to, make, to make a point. And we'll look at those in, in just a moment. What else do we see? One of the things that I saw is uh, there's this line in verse 11 that says, there's no one who seeks God. And I thought, I think about that. I said, gosh, if, if, um, if, we were, if it were not for God seeking us, left to like my own motivation, I don't think that, like if no one is righteous then left to ourselves, there's no way that we're going to be seeking God. God has to seek us out first. Yeah, it's, that's, I, I always find that statement a little funny because on the surface level, it doesn't seem to be true because I know lots of people, he, even people who are not yet followers of Christ, who would say, well, I'm, I'm kind of seeking, I'm checking things out, like they're interested in spiritual things or that sort of thing. And so there's, there's like, it's one of those statements where you're like, okay, I think it's true, but maybe not in the most obvious way that's true. Like there's a, there's an underlying thing that says maybe the thing that we're looking for, and it's like the, the moment of honesty is not always what we say we're looking for. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there are either God is seeking us and drawing us and, and because of him, we're, we're looking for him. But sometimes we can be seeking things that look good, look religious, look spiritual, and actually be looking for ways to evade the real presence of God in our life, where, where that would actually change us. It's sort of like um, people who use spiritual things as a way to kind of bolster, you know, their own kind of you know, project of, you know, self-improvement or, you know, uh, you know, build themselves up or whatever. I mean, there are ways you can seek God without seeking God. And so this is it's one of those phrases that makes me ponder because I'm like, wait a minute, Some, somebody's got to seek God, right? Uh, but, but it reveals more as you, you think about it more deeply. Wow, that tea must be really good. Because <laughs> that statement must have been so smart that it flew right over my head. <laughs> I, have, I honestly have no idea what he just said. It might be because we're recording this late in the afternoon. <laughs> Could just be uh, me, Eric. I think, I think Eric me. might need some more of your tea. Um, or, or you go to... I, I think I know what you're getting at there. I'm, I'm reading these first... Uh, this, this first quote in that string of quotes, there's no one righteous, and, and you might be reading going, well, I am a little. There's no one who understands. I think I understand a little. 
There's no one who seeks God. I think I seek God some, right? Like we always want to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Um, but there's no one righteous. I think it's about completely righteous. Seeking God with complete earnest and wholehearted seeking, you know, those kinds of things. So did well, I just say the same thing you said, Clayton? Pretty similar. Okay. Well, but I it's think, good. I, maybe it made more sense. <laughs> I think I think maybe I think maybe that that kind of points a little bit to um I don't know, I'm jumping ahead here to one of the references. In verse twelve, there's that little A next to not even one, if you're looking in your Bible, and it leads you to a couple passages in, in Psalms, but it leads to a, one in Ecclesiastes, verses 720. And that passage in Ecclesiastes says, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. And like, I think that's that concept is, no, we, we can't not, like, we're, we're not, it's not possible for us to not sin. Not yet, but look, Jesus came, Jesus wasn't there, but Jesus did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... The- there's also a certain bar, like it, what we've been reading thus far in Romans also helps clarify some of it, because there are times when Paul like turns the, turns the tables on people. Like he's saying, look, look at all those bad things people are doing. And then he says, hang on a second. If you're feeling judgmental right now, take a second to look in the mirror. Because the, like, l- the standard is not a matter of like, well, yeah, sometimes I pull off a, you know, a good day. <laughs> you know what I mean? The standard is... the the description that's in the law of perfection, of of a complete holiness, of always doing what's right. Uh, and at that standard, uh, none of us uh, pass that one. Yeah, so you have the, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people in Rome, who would look at some of the Jewish behaviors like their food laws or the fact that they observed Sabbath, and they would just look at that and go, you guys are just weird. Like, you're, you're like religious weird fanatics. Um, and the Jewish people would kind of be puffed up with a sense of pride, like uh, we're the ones that are actually following Yahweh, right? And so they start to get this sense that because of these things we do, we're better than the Gentiles. And Paul is chipping away at all of it going, you guys are all wrong. None of you are, none of you are, are measuring up. By the way, when, uh, when Nikki said the little A for the footnote, depending on what study Bible you're using, that little footnote might be different. So if you're, if you're the kind of person that has your study Bible open uh, and are looking for that little A and wondering why you don't have one in the study Bible I'm looking at, it's actually a little P. Um, <laughs> so, it's true. Good. Um, and, you know, the, the point Nikki made was a really good one, and it, it's worth ex- expanding a, a little bit. Sometimes when the New Testament writers are quoting something from the Old Testament, they're only going to quote like a sentence or a piece of it but when they do that, they what they want you they want to bring the full weight of the entire passage, right? They're only going to quote like a sentence, but like when when Nikki goes back to Ecclesiastes 7:20 and then explains everything in Ecclesiastes 7:20 or in Ecclesiastes 7, that's what the New Testament writers are doing. They they they're trying to take the full force of everything that was going on with what they're quoting and bringing it into their argument. The, there's a couple of places where I, when I went and actually looked these up, it was really, uh, it was very illuminating. So uh, they're both the two, the two quotes right there at the end, the second to last one is from the book of Isaiah. So it is uh, a place where uh, it's talking about the people of Israel when they go into exile. Like, so it's, that's the situation Isaiah is talking about saying, like, you, you were sinning and there was no one who was doing the right thing and you got punished for it. You got, you got the consequences. But then it takes a turn saying, because there was no one there 
to be righteous. It said God himself stepped in to be the rescuer. God himself girded himself up with righteousness or whatever it said. I think that's the old fashioned way of saying it. But like he, he put on righteousness and came to be the defender. And that, if, if you're a Jewish reader of this, this is not a passage that's obscure. So they would be hearing that quote and saying, oh yeah, that's us. But in their mind, they're thinking, oh wait, but that means God is also on the way. Like there's a rescuer coming and it's not gonna be us because we're not, we're not righteous enough to do that. But there's a God who's going to come. And in fact, Paul's anticipating that because when we turn the corner in just a little bit in the the book of Romans, Paul's going to say, yeah, actually there is a rescuer. You can't rescue yourself, but someone is coming who can. And so that that passage kind of evokes that for it. Yeah, so obviously all of these uh, Old Testament quotes would be about the Jewish people, right? Because the Old Testament is the story of the Jewish people and God's interaction with them. Uh, so if you have the Jewish people kind of puffed up thinking we're somehow special or better, one, because the story came through us, and second, look at all of these things we do to obey the law and all the, all the rules that God gave us, and then Paul just, oh. <laughs> he just lists verse after verse after verse of the Old Testament saying, uh, you guys aren't quite as good as you want to think you are. Yeah. There are a couple of these verses that when you read them in the psalm, make it sound like they're they're blasting like the enemies. It's like King David saying, my enemies are this bad. But then when you're like, but actually that's talking about you, you're like, oh, that's like, I wanted to be on David's side. I want to be the good guy, you know? But you're like, but actually this is us, you know? Anything else in observation? Or shall we move on? I, I wanted to point out that that last line, it's not in all those Old Testament quotes, but where it talks about how no one can be righteous from works of the law. That's that whole idea of like, look, if you want to meet the standard, you're just not going to. You know, that's not going to happen. But what the law does is it makes us conscious of our sin. It's that that is the mirror that gets held up and we say, "Oh, that's what I really look like." Cuz we we often can fool ourselves into thinking that we're we're better than we are. And so sometimes when you encounter uh things in the Bible that you're like, "Oh, man, that like it's kind of pointed. Let's kind of, you know, uh, that's kind of judgmental. That's kind of, you know, whatever. Um, that might be the point. Like it might be so that you feel like, hang on a second. This, there's a standard and I'm not meeting it. And I've got to acknowledge that. It's the it's the quote, every time you're reading the Bible, the Bible is reading you. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if someone comes to church and they hear a sermon and they hear the Bible explained and they say, I just, I, I really, feel, I don't like that. I felt judged. Okay, well, maybe the people in that church are judgmental, right? But just all things being equal, sometimes when the Word of God is preached, you feel judged because you are being judged. Not by the pastor, but by the eternal Word of God that is sharper than any double-edged sword and able to divide soul and spirit. And and sometimes we're we're not super comfortable with that, um, but... You know, as it says in the New Testament, judgment begins in the house of God, right? Like yeah. the the people of God shouldn't be criticizing the people in the world who don't know God, right? But but there has to be some sense of standard and an ideal of what we're working towards, and actually be able to judge whether or not we're doing a good job living up to that ideal. Yeah. Well, I mean the 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 whole premise of coming to faith in Christ is that you say, well, I, I, of course I I'm screwed up and I need help. And so Paul is kind of working through that that order of saying, if you don't realize 
that yeah, you need you you have you have been judged. You you don't measure up. You you can't go on to the next step. You can't figure out why the next part is good news. Um, I I heard someone say this, and I think I've heard it before, where it's like you you come to faith by admitting that you're a sinner, but then you spend the next like forty years trying to trying to prove to everybody you aren't. You know, like there's that <laughs> there's that tendency of like well, I don't want to feel like that, but actually that's that's kind of where we are. And and then so I even think about this in relation to them talking about Jews and Gentiles. So often when they're pointing the finger at the other person. It's like they could hear Paul saying, oh, yeah, you're just as messed up as me. But what they're really supposed to be saying is, oh, I'm just as messed up as you. Like that is one of the things that ironically draws us together and builds unity when we say, yeah, I, I'm pretty screwed up too. And whatever fault I see in you, I, there's, there's three times more in me, you know? All right. So we are, we're still in the O of the comma method. And I want to make uh, one, one suggestion for those of you who are reading the Bible Savvy Schedule and attempting to read the Bible every day, which, by the way, is our year-long theme and emphasis here at Christ Community Church, trying to get people to read their Bibles, to open that Bible every day so that God can speak into their lives. Uh, When you see quotes in the New Testament in particular, because it's often quoting the Old Testament, but there's there's some quotes in the Old Testament too, um, it's fun to go explore them. And so pay attention to the formatting and... If you see quotes and you see those little footnotes, go on a little journey, read, read that, what they're quoting. And I think what you will find is that a world is opened up to you. All right, moving on to the M in the comma method, which is message. We're going to go message first today. Uh, what kind of message can we draw from this text? Mm, I've, I've been in there that I'm, I'm thankful that God sent Jesus, that he provided a way out from under the power of sin. That's really what I picked out from this passage. Um, yeah, it's, it's just so much grace. Mm. You went outside of this passage to get that message. Yeah, Because yeah, well, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't want to point it out to everyone that's listening, but Jesus is nowhere in this text, I Nikki. know, but... But that's just where my brain went because I know the rest of the Bible. The answer is always Jesus. I learned in church. I broke the rules. I broke the rules. You did. You violated comma method. That's it. There there is something about this passage that makes you ache for the answer. It's like yes, it does. I'm giving Nikki a hard time. Like even with the even with the Ecclesiastes passage, like I was like, well, no, like Jesus didn't hadn't come yet, but he's coming. Like you know, like I, I just I can't I can't help but go there. Sorry, broke the rules. Yes. Spoiler alert. Jesus is Jesus the answer. Is the answer. <laughs> All right. Uh, my message is um, I'm part of the problem too, so I can't look down on others. So we're talking about the tension between the Jews and Gentiles. If I'm part of the problem, I can't look down on other people. My me- the message I'm drawing from this is actually pretty close to Nikki's. I just wanted to give her yeah, my ramen moment. That's so good. I'll be over here in the corner gnawing on a ramen brick. Uh, so if, if attempting to do everything perfectly isn't the answer, it begs the question, what is? Which then leads, of course, to Nikki's answer, which is Jesus. Jesus. Uh, I, I, I also, I also think that. Uh, well, you know, what? I'm not even going to say. I'm not even going to say that because it's going outside of the text, and I just gave <laughs> gave Nikki a hard time. Uh, but I, I think this text. I think Paul, Paul is doing a really good job. Uh, 
making a case and saying, we all are experiencing the same problem. There is not one of us that can live perfectly. So what do we do? Right. And then in verse 21, he starts with the answer. Um, so that's just the logical, fl- logical flow of Romans. So we're going to move on to meditation. Why don't, why don't we use, uh, well, hey, I'm comma guy today. So we're going to use my message as the meditation point. Go for it. That? Okay. Uh, if attempting to be perfect is not the answer and you ask the question, so what is? Prayerfully ponder that for 45 seconds. So here we are at the A in the comma method, which is application. It's the so what question. What am I going to do about this? What kind of application can we draw from this text today? You know, if I think about this passage, um, you know, the way the way Ferris and, and Nikki as well kind of described it as like pointing you past itself. It's sort of like the... Uh, it's the, you know, the, the pretzels at the bar, you know, it's like you, you, it makes you thirsty so that you'll order something to drink. Um, the, the, it makes me want to say, um, where have I been looking for that solution? You know, like to actually say, like, uh, where, where have I been looking and saying, I'm making myself look better than I am. I'm convincing myself I'm, I'm, you know, I'm better off than I am when really what I need to do is say, that's not going to save me it's all Jesus, and cry out to him. So there's the application of saying, hang on a second, clear away the illusion, quit telling yourself that you're, you're okay because of these things. Look at Christ. Uh, my application was uh, to respond with thanksgiving and obedience. We can be thankful for what Jesus has done for us, um, and there's that, that's the Savior part. Right. Like, you know, and then the Lord part is the obedient side of it. And so sometimes we were thankful that Jesus came and, and did what he did for us so that we can be forgiven and and um, be made in a right relationship with with God. But then sometimes we don't always respond as easily with the oh, let me let me actually be obedient to what it, what his word says and and how he how he would have me live. And I I think that's just something that doesn't always come as easy. Yeah, my application is in in the uh, category of prayer as well, but it's specifically asking God to uh, transform me, to help me be something I'm not, to give me hunger for things I don't have hunger for. Um, so one, one of the things I'm, I'm currently, I, I use this journal called the near journal, which is like it's 90 days at a time, and you identify an area of progress every 90 days that you want to work on. And right now it's empathy. And so you memorize all of these scriptures in that category. And I was writing out my prayer this morning on that topic. And it was, God, help me to see things. I Help me to notice things that I normally don't notice. I need God's spirit to help me with that, right? And so when Jesus said to his followers, 
you're going to continue the work I started, but don't you dare try it on your own. You wait for me to send you the helper. And that's the Holy Spirit. And so we, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to hunger for the things of God. Uh, you know, like even a lot of these, a lot of these uh, quotes in here, like no one seeks God. The desire to seek God to seek him more can come from the spirit of God, right? And so so my, my application is I'm going to start just praying these really gut-level honest prayers, asking God to give me things that I know I don't have so that I can even come close to some of these standards. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. All right, guys, well, that's all that we have for you today. We hope that you'll join us next Monday. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. And if you're not following along, you can go to BibleSavvy.com to download the plan and to start reading along. You can also leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening uh, to podcasts on these days. You can send us an email with your suggestions or your questions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. You can look us up on Twitter for additional insights, and you can also tell your friends. And lastly, we'll talk to you next week.